welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. God has made it very clear and plain in the Bible that He is the only God there is. He says it more than once, and this is what He says, I am God and there is none else. It's hard to be more emphatic than that. And what kind of God is He? Well, the Bible says that He is a just God and a Savior. How wonderful to know that. God does only that which is right and just. Now, this is a tremendous thing, but it's a fearful one as well. Why is that? Well, we are unjust sinners, people who have turned our back on God and gone our own way. And justice requires that we face our sentence of condemnation. Yes, God is just, and it should make us tremble. But he is also just in providing a wonderful remedy. He has sent a Savior and proclaims a sinner just who believes in Christ for salvation. And the remedy is simple. Look unto me and be saved, he says. He has done it all. Now, isn't that wonderful? In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. David Hurley High explains in some detail about the characteristics of God and the great plan of salvation as it unfolds within the Bible. We hope that you'll listen very carefully and you'll not miss the wonderful Savior that God is offering you today. Isaiah 45, and look at the last part of verse number 21. He says, there is no God else beside me. So it is God speaking, writing or telling Isaiah the prophet to write these words to be left for us so that we can still have an accurate account of what God wants you to know. And this is one of the things, that there is no God else beside me. And now he's going to give us some information about himself. He's given us his name. He says, there's nobody else like me. I'm unique. In fact, if you read through Isaiah, in this middle part of Isaiah, these few chapters, there's something you'll find over and over and over again. I'm the only God there is. There is none else. Don't bother looking for other gods. Don't bother trying to ignore the existence of God. I am God, and there's none else. So there's no excuse for a world today that rejects the existence of God, even beyond the Bible. But here in the Bible, it is absolutely clear this amazing book. Now he tells us more about himself. You want to know about me? This is one thing I want you to know about me. He says, a just God and a Savior. So there's two important facts about God. He's absolutely just. He only operates by a line that is straight up and down. There's nothing kind of wavery or waffly about God. He's absolutely right. He cannot be bought. He cannot be overpowered. He cannot be bribed. He cannot be convinced to change his standard. He says, I am a just God. I will do right by you. So he says, a just God and a Savior, there is none else. You can look where you will. 
You won't find a God that is so just. And yet the unique thing about this God is absolutely just. Yet he is a kind and a loving and a gracious God. He says, I'm just. I do not bend the rules. But he says, there's something in my heart that wants to save those that need saving. I can do it. I will do it. And he says, I'm the only person like that. Look where you will. Study what you will. Try to imbibe what belief system you will. Delve deep into whatever value system you will. You will not find a God like this. He stands absolutely unique. I am God, there is none else. A just God and a savior. And he said, there is none else. There's no other God like that. No other person like that who won't bend the rules, yet will save the person who has broken the rules. Now, how in the world is he going to do that? You imagine if an officer pulled up beside your car and says, you are going 140 in an 80. And uh, pulls out his wallet and says, I gave you a ticket, but I'm going to pay for it. Wouldn't happen. Ridiculous. But that's essentially what God is doing. That's the message of the gospel. The rules won't be broken, at least eternally. Every time the laws of God are broken, there is an expensive payment that has to be made. And God sent the Lord Jesus into the world to pay it once for everybody. And he says, you won't find another message like that. You won't find anyone to worship for which there is so much cause to worship as this. A God who is just, yet a God who is a Savior. Now, in the light of that, look at verse number 22. This should be obvious in light of that. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. And can you believe it? He's going to say it again. For I am God, and there is none else. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God. And there is none else. Three very simple things from this verse that I would like to bring before you. First of all, as we can see obviously in the passage, even the youngest children will be able to get this first thing that is in the verse. It's a look. He says it, obviously. It baffles me why sometimes people try to say that the Bible is a book they cannot understand. There are things in the Bible that are difficult to understand. Of course, it is a book of amazing depth of infinite depth, because it comes from a person who is infinite, a person who is boundless, a person who who lives in a place where there are no walls, a God who is absolutely limitless in his love, in his power, in everything about him. And so when he writes a book, he did it over 1,500 years, using 40 different writers that he guided and gave them the words to write, yet maintaining their own distinctiveness so that we hold in our hands about an inch and a half of everything that God wants us to know in our own language. Everything that that infinite God of heaven far above the Asia blue is beaming down to this world, a complete revelation, a manifestation from God that brings light to why we are here what we are like ourselves, and where we will be forever. And what is out there? What is beyond death? He says, before ever there was life, I am God. There was no one there. There is none else. I'm eternal. And out there, project your mind into the future beyond anything that you can begin to imagine. And he says, I will be there. You and I were not there in the past. 
but we will be there in the future. And according to this mind-boggling yet implicitly simple book from God, this material, this complete revelation from God, you and I will be either in heaven above with him because we've been saved by his method, or we will be in hell damned because we have refused to come God's way. So he says, look, look unto me. I mean, why would you not look at me? Why would you not stop your reckless course? Why would you maintain a path of self-will? Going your own way, a path that you say you must take because of your individuality. You just simply have to take that. There's something within you that wells up because you want to be an individual. He says, why would you do that knowing the danger and the damage that will cause you? You have to face God. Now, all God is asking is this. He's not asking to cramp your style. He's not asking for you to be a different person than what you are. I mean, after all, do you like the person you are? If you do, may I remind you that God made you the way you are. And he is quite pleased with the way you are, with the exception that you have sinned against him. And God is not looking for you to, to change your personality in that sense. He simply wants you to take a good, hard look at yourself. And a look at your past in relationship to him. And he says, why you're looking? He says, I want you to look at something for me. Look unto me is to look at his standard. Because God has a standard. He's not saying just kind of look at some kind of a wispy, smoky kind of a thing. He's not asking you to somehow conjure up some kind of warm, fuzzy feelings about God. He's not asking you to take the word of just two men that stand here because we say it is true. And we believe it, that now you have to sort of imbibe what we believe so you can be right with God. That's not what he's saying. We are not here to tell you that our words are infallible or that our words are the only words that are right. But you know what we are here for? We are merely here to bring your eyes from just the horizontal level of this world that is so attractive to us. Sin with all of its pleasure, a world with all of its busyness that's designed to hide God in the truth of God. We are merely here to get you to lift your eyes, turn your eyes from this world, and take a look at a standard. It's right before us. God has given it to us in our own language. In fact, he says just a few verses previous, he says, I have not spoken in secret. This is not something that should be a surprise to anybody. The Bible is a common book. In fact, did you know that this is still the number one bestseller of all time? Even yet? And you know what else? Year after year, consecutively, it is still outselling all other books. And in fact, it's so far off the scale, they don't even publish it when they publish the bestsellers. It's not a secret book. God has not spoken in some secret way. God has not kept his identity secret. The world itself, because of the cruel enemy that is behind, is trying to hide the very existence of God. Yet God has placed himself everywhere. God has placed himself in the heavens above. The awesomeness of the skies. I got a set of binoculars for my birthday a couple of days ago, and I took them out on the back deck behind the house in the trampoline, and my daughters came with me, and my son came out a little while later, and we laid there in the trampoline, just kind of looking up at the stars. And I was amazed at just a simple pair of binoculars, not even a telescope, how many more stars are there than what I ever saw? And all of those stars just hanging there in space, so huge, so beautiful. It all came from one single speck 
by chance, by mere fate. And something of massive power caused that thing to begin to move outward so that everything we see is mindless. It's some kind of a colossal heavenly accident. I submit to you that that takes much more faith to believe than to believe that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, that there is a God who created everything. And that's the God that is speaking to you. If this book is accurate about how it began, isn't it worth a little look to see what kind of a standard that God would have? A God who has blazed his name across the skies. A God who has blazed, has actually inserted his name into the double helix of your own DNA molecule. Something so amazing in the way it stores information that scientists only think they know how it works and how it stores and how it's just mind-boggling. They can't even design anything like it. They can hardly even study it. Only getting the instruments to, to kind of figure things out. And God has inserted his name into the very cells. God has inserted his very being into the moral code by which all societies really live. There are certain things that every tribe of earth Every race, they know there are certain things that are right, certain things that are wrong, and nobody told them. They know it. It's a moral code that a God who has a standard that is written in 66 books, as I said, over a period of 1,500 years, he wrote it using different writers. And people of this world, kings, empires, have tried to destroy this book. Men have tried to ridicule it. They have tried to burn it. And all the while, God has seen to it that this is not a secret book, that the man at the center of it, from Genesis to Revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that he is perhaps likely, without a doubt, the most well-known individual of all time. Do you know why? Because it's God's son, and God wants you to know about him. Let me ask you, have you taken a good hard look at this book and what it says about you? You know, we're not here to jump up and down and shout and roar and get excited, but it's a message that draws passion from me. This is real. If you could know just what it was like to lay down at night and put your head in the pillow and have no questions about yourself, as far as your sin goes, wrong actions, and where you will be a hundred years from tonight, just to lay down in perfect peace and know that you have been reconciled to the greatest person of all the universe and beyond the God of heaven, through his own means, his own son. It's a wonderful thing to lay down and with perfect peace in that way. I am more sure of where I will be 100 years from tonight than where I will be one hour from now. Because that's the whole thrust of the gospel. That's the whole incentive to turn and look. Because that's where the gospel begins. And that's where this verse begins. To look at the standard, to stop, it's actually a thought of a turning to look. People hear this message, and they begin to become convicted of their sins. And they begin to understand by looking into the standard of God, and all the thou shalt nots and thou shalts, they begin to understand, I've sinned against God. And do they stop? No. They run straight into the face of impending danger straight toward a great white throne judgment that God will judge every individual all by themselves, not with a family, not with a nation, but standing absolutely alone before God, with God holding the pages of another book. This book will be there. But the book of the actions of every single one of us, the sins, 
will all be there. And the third book, the book of life, in which are written all the names of every person that has stopped and turned to face God and has simply rested on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And God has written their names in the book of life, and they are as safe as God can make them eternally. But at that place, no one will stand there with their name in the book of life. The book will be there to prove it's not there. And people hear this message, and they become a little concerned, and either they stop and turn and obey the command of God, or they continue to run, ignoring the danger, and a collision course with the God of eternity. You see, this is not just a suggestion to look. It's what an English teacher would call, I think they still use these terms, I think it's what they would call an imperative. It's a command. You look. You turn and face God. You turn and look at what the Bible says. He says in verse number 19, he said, don't you question and wonder what is the standard? Is there a standard? Is there accountability at all? Is God really going to hold me accountable to a standard? He says, yes. He says, I declare things that are right. That's what he says. Everything in the Bible from cover to cover, you can absolutely believe. You can set your watch by it. You can stand upon it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Why did we sing that? Do you know why? Because it's from this book. That's why we know it is an absolutely convincing book. And God is simply bidding you to turn and look at his standard. Look into the word of God and recognize that this is speaking to me. You know, people somehow think that if they did that, it would be suicide. To turn and look at a God who is angry because of my sins, won't he punish me if I do that? No, not this God. Because you know what follows the imperative to look? He says, you look. And he says, be saved. Now that's a passive form of a verb. That means that someone from the outside, someone more powerful, is now acting on the one who cannot act for themselves. It's actually an imperative with a passive verb, not too technical. In other words, you look, and God will have all the power and do all the acting to save you. See what the Bible is saying? You know what the clear message of the gospel is? You simply turn and face your sin, and face the God against whom your sin is, and he will save you. Guaranteed. Promised by the word of God. A salvation that is so secure that you will never be lost. A salvation that is in absolutely righteous terms. He hasn't bent the rules, but rather he has sent a substitute to die in the stead of the sinner. Absolutely safe and secure. He says, you stop and look. You look at the standard. And the next statement of the verse is simple. Let him save you. Be saved. I want to tell you tonight. You wouldn't have to study the Bible for a 100 years. You don't have to be 20 years old. You don't have to be 80 years old. You don't have to be white-haired or no-haired like me as has been brought up. You just simply have to take a simple look at this verse or one of the many other promises from gospel verses of our Bible. Do you know that in the New Testament alone, there are 150 promises from God that if you believe on, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, words that mean more or less the same thing, you will have eternal or everlasting life. And a God who only needs to speak once has inserted it into his Bible over and over and over again. So there can be no mistaking it, no questioning it, no wondering which way is right. There's no need to. I'm not here to tell you that my way is right. I am here to tell you that 
God's way is right. He has designed it. He has carried it out. And it depends 100% on himself, on his son, and on his word. Look unto me, and be ye saved. You may ask, like, is that for everybody? Well, the verse answers that question too. All the ends of the earth, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what religion, regardless of what you've been taught, all the ends of the earth. And he says again, because I'm God and there is no one else. You came from my hand and you will meet me at the end. And I have designed the only means of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one way, infinitely simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Listen to the text again. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Yes, God himself has devised the plan, and he himself has carried it out, and it's available to all. Regardless of who you are, where you come from, God loves you. Trust Christ today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.